Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Crypto Entrepreneurs Podcast with your host, Charles. Enjoy. What is up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Crypto Entrepreneurs Podcast. As always, it's your host, Charles, and today we've got a great one for you. Today we're sitting down with Trader SZ. He is one of my favorite analysts on Twitter. If you're not following him already, I highly suggest that you do. Today we're going to be talking about a couple things. We're going to be talking about the differences in crypto and traditional markets. We're also going to be going over price action trading. And then we're really going to dive deep into his trading strategy. But before we get into all of that, I do just want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. The first is Roundly X. You guys know what they're all about. You link your credit or debit card, and with each purchase, they round it up to the next dollar and invest that spare change into Bitcoin or another cryptocurrency of your choosing. It's a very hands off, very stress free way to dollar cost average. It's like the acorns of crypto. Uh, and I I can't stress enough how wonderful this service is. So if you haven't already, go create an account, link your cards, start growing that long-term bag. Now the second is CoinFlex. They're actually the first physically delivered crypto futures exchange. It's a mouthful every time I try to say that. Uh, and I, I really love what these guys are doing. They've got some features that really differentiate themselves from all the other cookie cutter exchanges out there. The first is that they've got some of the lowest, if not the lowest fees in the market, depending on how much flex you own. Another great thing is that flex staking is currently live. You can earn $10 USDT per thousand flex you own per month. I've been staking mine I received my first payment. Looking forward to the second. On top of that, they're going to be running these bracket order competitions and giving away $10,000 a day. I've been talking about this for a while. I've been encouraging you guys to sign up, start learning how the exchange works so that when these competitions start, you can kill them. $10,000 a day. I can't stress this enough. Get over there, sign up for an account, get ready. Now let's get into the show. Trader SZ, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. Really appreciate it. Before we really jump into price action trading and some of the differences in crypto and traditional markets, do you think you could just give us a little bit of background on yourself, You know who you are and what you were doing before you found crypto? Yeah, so uh, <clears throat> I started trading while I was at university, so I was doing a mathematics degree, um, and then two of my second and third year, I sort of, you know, started to learn how to trade, um, and straight from there, I've been trading full-time, so it's been about eight years now, I'd say, yeah, eight years full-time trading. Wow, all right, congratulations, so <laughs> didn't end up putting that math degree to too much use then, right? Uh, it has its benefits, just think the, I think the way you think about stuff, you know, um, but yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I started off mainly like FX trading. So I'm mainly an FX trader. Crypto I've just come across past, you know, since 2017, really. There so we just, go. When, trade it. when yep. it kind of blew up and got on everyone's radar, that's when I know at least a lot of the traders, that's when they jumped in because, you know, they weren't looking for long term investments. They're like, I'm going to trade this new asset class. Um, but nice. I mean, yeah, I, uh, I actually started out as a math major. Uh, found my way to finance myself, but you're, you're right in the way that you kind of just think about problems and think about things. It's, it really shapes your mindset in a way. Um, so you you started, you were trading traditional markets first. You found crypto in 2017. Um, are there any big differences that you see between the two different markets? Uh, is, is one of them easier in your opinion? Uh, and do you have a preference? Well, to be honest with you, I mean, a lot of, I think a lot of people are mistaking trading for investing as well, especially in the crypto markets. I mean, the one big thing is always the volatility in crypto. I mean, it's unseen. You know, the, the gains you can make is massive. So, you know, I think a lot of people come in, like, you know, buying all these bags in a bull run and, yeah, some are trader. Well, yeah, okay, that's nice. But it doesn't really make you trade. You got lucky. It's like a lot of us, I got lucky as well. But I think the real trading kicked in when, you know, when after the bull run, that's when, you know, 2017 is when loads of people came in and then Bitcoin started to drop. The correction, that's when you, you needed to learn how to trade properly for most. So, yeah, the main, the main thing, I mean, I still use the same concept I use in FX, in crypto. It's just, with FX, I mean, especially last year, volatility has been dead. So you get the odd pump, this, that, the other. That's, that's made me having to diversify, becoming more short-term, especially in like futures markets like the ES and stuff. But with Bitcoin, like I mainly just swing trade it. So when I see a swing opportunity, then yeah. So I use the same thing. It's just crypto usually gives me more gains. Right. Can do forty percent in a day. Yeah, it's <laughs> uh, one percent FX. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's insanely volatile, and uh, it's funny. The uh, investors turned traders. I I had a buddy who, I think, right at the end of twenty seventeen, quit his job to trade crypto full time, and he really had no idea what he was doing. He'd just gotten extremely lucky, and then come about, I'd say March or April, sometime around the beginning of the year. He was like, I am not a trader. I got very lucky. I got to go back to work. <laughs> and uh, that was his short-lived trading career. Um, I, think that's, I think that's most people. Right. Everyone. Uh, really big OGs that made shitloads. They can afford to, <laughs> but they can, they can cushion those losses. Right. Yeah. No, every, everyone thought they were a professional and everyone thought they were a genius. Um, but okay. So, so more volatility. Is there one that you prefer? Um. Well, my day-to-day is mainly, it is FX, um, FX mainly. I think the price section is cleaner, but um, I do like Bitcoin though, a one-off trade Bitcoin. For example, I mainly just swing trade Bitcoin, but if FX is really dead, then I do day trade uh, Bitcoin. Um, I mean, some setups are brilliant, beautiful, especially the way I trade for short-term trading. Bitcoin is really clean in that way. I mean, we do get the odd spikes, which I don't like. This is what puts me off using tight stops for Bitcoin, but... Um, in general, I mean, it's the same, really. It's just I, tra- I just short-term trade when I'm bored. I'm mainly go. swing trading. But I'm okay with missing big swings. Like, you know, I caught a nice, you know, uh, drop. But with me, when I trade Bitcoin, it's like I'll milk it. So I don't just have one position. I'll have lows of position. But I did miss out the move from, like, you know, the low to about this move. But I today trade it while it was going up. So I sort of make, make up for it. But if I was solely trading it, I maybe may have traded it better. But when I'm not doing Bitcoin... It's 90% just FX, so 
so it makes up for it in a way there we go yeah see you're you're kind of a different breed i know a lot of people who only trade one or the other uh you've kind of got your hand in both and i was going to ask since you're you you swing trade crypto a lot or at least bitcoin i was going to ask if you caught that move from you know the low or the high sixes i would say to i was fucking bearish i was so bearish (laughs) he was me right when he's dropping a lot of people were trying to catch a knife you know i had about seven eight stop hours before they got the call the one big move i don't do that unless he follows my plan i'm not entering so i may miss out on it but i'm not taking a loss at the same time yeah. So if I'm not taking a loss, it means there's other markets out there I'm in. And until Bitcoin gives me what I want to see, then um, I'll step in. But um, but if I was solely Bitcoin, then maybe I would have caught a lot of it. But that's, I think that removes that formal. Because I'm not first. I'm already making money in something else or trading something else. If Bitcoin follows my plan, then I'll go with it. If it doesn't leave you alone until it does, I'll focus on something else. So that's, that's the advantage of trading other markets as well. Yeah, huge benefit there. Uh, and and it, it's funny, I think uh, a lot of people on Twitter are more interested in the clout than they are about the gains. Like, you... It's all clout. It's all clout. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 sometimes I post a Bitcoin chart just to see the interaction. There's nothing on the Bitcoin chart, but it just looks fancy. And the interaction again, Yo, you're still a trade. Like, oh, you don't even know what I'm doing here. <laughs> you don't even know what I'm doing. I just, I, I feel like you, you talked about, you know, getting stopped out five times before catching that bottom. And I think people are so focused on, oh, I longed the very bottom and don't want to show the six trades they took before that where they got stopped out it's, it's also funny right you don't get forgiven for short in the market but you get forgiven for long in the market and getting stopped out yeah. so yeah let's forget about all the times he longed it this is a, this is a good trader this guy is because he caught the bull move after 10 stop outs <laughs> as long as you long it from the bottom you are considered a godly trader that's uh, it. It's just a whole different mentality, completely different mentality comparing to FX and crypto. I, th- I think it's very immature in a sense. You know, very. the market's very new. I think a lot of traders and people who are investing, this is kind of their f- introduction to any kind of trading and investing. Uh, and so they're kind of going through that learning process uh, and going for those big gains and those home runs. And it sounds like you kind of are able to take a step back and you know, take trades when you need to. You've got other markets that you're trading that you can focus on when you're not seeing trades, you know, in the Bitcoin yeah, I mean, market. It's, it's also with like, especially with people with smaller accounts, they feel that like they always have to be. So like I can take one Bitcoin trade and that could be me done for a few months. I only take a very handful. Like last year, I probably took about, f- about four, five handful, you know, swing trades on Bitcoin and that's it. You know, that's enough for me. Whereas, you know, if you small accounts, you feel like I have to get loads of trades and I have to make up, you know, so my approach is completely different to most people. There we so, go. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, I think the biggest thing about trading and kind of finding success is finding the trading strategy that works for you. You talk about the fact that you made four or five trades last year. I think to some people that's unheard of, ridiculous. They could never do that. Um but okay, so can we kind of talk about FX markets a little bit more? Because I feel like a lot of people, when they make that move from crypto to FX, they say they get chopped up like crazy. They just like can't get a handle on it. Uh, so can you talk to us a little bit more about your trading strategy specifically? I know you talked about the fact that you're purely price action. Can you kind of just dive into it a little bit more? I mean, 
I am purely price action, but at the same time, I do like I do brief look at you know fundamental stuff in the background. But those are more like you know more longer term views. But yeah, mainly it's pure price action. So you know, especially with FX, because the price action is cleaner. So for example, so unless you're doing Bitcoin, for example, it's still immature market in the sense where it's not been around that that long. Whereas with FX, you've got more to work with. So you know, when you hear people say. Oh, learning FX. Well, some it is true, but most of you people are saying it. They don't know what other about. They're just copying other people saying that. Learn, learn, learning in FX is you can see, you know, years, decades of data. You can see what a bull market looks like. You can see what a bear market looks like and a range bound. Whereas Bitcoin is mainly just up, really. Yeah. <laughs> you can't really learn. It, that's all. I think it's a good learning ground. If that's better. But yeah, um, I think I think personally, FX is cleaner in that sense. For example, say you know, if you want to be a trader in altcoins. I mean, how long have they been consolidating for? You know, you can't really learn as much. And <laughs> the same setups I see in FX, and then I compare them to altcoins. It's like it's they look exactly the same, but they don't work all the time because you know they're not as liquid, they're not as smooth, clean. It's just, if, I, in my opinion, if you want to learn, learn in that environment uh, with FX or at least Bitcoin. I mean, also you just get lucky. I mean, I bought a few bags. I don't even know if they're gonna work or not, but they were gonna go one way, whatever you see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think the fact that just a lot of these alts are so illiquid is what you know. When I see people charting something with ten Bitcoin of daily volume, it's it doesn't really mean anything to me because someone can come in and just wipe the books completely, and everything kind of falls to shit, uh, and you don't really see that in FX markets. Um, so kind of you know this show it's. It's more of an intro, I would say, to any of the topics that I'm discussing. Mm-hmm. So can you just give us, you know, like a high level overview of how price action trading works for my audience who knows nothing about it? Okay, so, I mean, I think it's a bit open to pure price action. There's loads of different ways. So what I can do is just talk about the way I do it. Yeah. There's, you know, it's price action, price action. People, you know, can give you 10 answers. So the way I usually do it is I always look at a market in some sort of a range, whether that's a lower time frame, like hourly, you know, or whether that's a higher time frame. So if I'm looking at like weekly ranges, it means I'm looking for swing trades. So I identify, okay, in what fixed ranges is market moving in. So if it breaks one level, then I'm going to aim for the next range level. So navigating between each level. So markets are just either range bound or trending. So once you can, for example, say you got you got a consolidation, the high will be the range high, the low will be the range low. So while it's within that, you trade it both ways, and then I'll always draw the mean because that's the level you get across through. So when I identify what kind of market we're in, if you're range bound, I know where my parameters are, get in and out. Instead of hoping, you know, it's gonna break out, you know, this is where you get out. But when it's trending market, then you know, use those same range levels, but once it breaks out, you expect um, bigger moves. So a good example to use is current price action. For example, it's like I missed out a lot on Ethereum, but I got in the mid. It looks like I'm going in the middle of nowhere. But you gotta understand the nature of a trend. So while Bitcoin, Ethereum's ranging, you know you don't get the deep pullbacks in the trend. You know it goes up a bit, then pulls back a bit, then up a bit instead of going through all the way down to the point of origin. Whereas a lot of people, when they used to range bound markets, they always get all the way back down, all the way back up to where the move started from. So yeah, I think I'm waffling on a bit, but yeah, just uh, <laughs> understanding what profile you're in. If you're in consolidation, how do you approach that? Um, and then re- trend market, you know, just, yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's pretty perfect. I think that's one of the most important things is to really understand whether we are ranging or trending. Uh, what are your thoughts on kind of moving down the 
time ranges from like where do you start do you start on the monthly the weekly and do you work your way down or how, how do you kind of so i always start on the higher time frame even if i'm even if i think it's you know even if I'm for short term day trades because the higher time frames are the big levels that we're going to get big reactions from and they're usually the magnets for price so i always try to understand the context so before any chart pattern you know, head and shoulders, anything. You look at, you know, if you learn some sort of like some like I don't know, head and shoulders or whatever, it's it's a clear pattern and that's where you enter. But why is it sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work? Because if you usually if you're in sync with the context, probability wise, it's likely to work more. But if you're you got a chart pattern, but it's bull, uh, you know, a head and shoulders pattern in a bullish market that that'll fake out. So I think it's important for people to realize what is the context, and then you can throw in any method. So I'm not even first about methods. Like sometimes what I do, right, I'll just to prove a point where I'll mark a bullish scenario context, and then I'll throw. Look, you can get in with a moving average technique. You can get in with a harmonic pattern technique. You can get in with a classical chart pattern. So it shows that the patterns are secondary. All patterns are secondary. Once you got the context right the direction because that's the direction market's moving in so that i get that from the higher time frame um so i always start with a yearly chart that's just a habit of mine yearly i break it down to six months but then i focus on the quarterly monthly and weekly because yearlies don't change that often but quarterly monthly and weekly that's when i get my direction so once i can identify so for example when we're in a, i'll use now example now i'm looking at ethereum bdc for example now what's the difference between why have i got you no know, more balls to hold positions now compared to before because on a monthly we're starting to break out on a monthly when we break out on a monthly that's going to be a more significant move compared to the same chart pattern i'm seeing by this range bound so i'm getting context for a more of a bigger run i'm not saying i'm correct but lining up the probabilities we're more likely to get a bigger move now because the monthly is breaking out there does that make go. sense yeah yeah so completely. context first the most important thing for me content it can do any chart button after that it's just a it's a uh, chart plan is just an excuse for entry. That's all it is. There Not any go. chart plan. So but yeah, that, that was another question I kind of had was, you know, I think a lot of people struggle with this idea of figuring out whether we are ranging or trending. Uh, and yep. it sounds like on the higher time frames, you'll look at breakouts. And that's when you kind of start to see, okay, we're starting to trend in a certain direction versus just ranging between you know some prices is that correct in saying yeah it is it is i mean you don't even share screens it would have been easier but for example say um when i took the I'll, i'm using the examples i took what i shared with the twitter feed ethereum if I, when i took the ethereum usd trade it looks like i'm at the highs but looking across the board we're breaking out of monthly ranges so we, where i took the trade was based on last month's high we we're around last month's high and we we're consolidating there so if i'm correct we need to break out of last month's high and expand Whereas if we're still range bound, that last month's high would be used as resistance. So I know my risk now. If if, we are, if I am correct on a trending, we should start expanding now. There so we that go. puts me into trend mode. Whereas if we didn't, if we took out last month's high and broke back below it, then that would tell me we're range bound. So that's where you know I have the that's that. So range bound, I would be looking actually for shorts. But because the context is bullish, I'm longing. It looks like I'm not that longing at the high, but I'm not. I'm expecting expansion above last month's high and. The structure around it so two same setups but one i'm bullish but in another context i'm bearish yeah see that's the thing it's like you can look at the exact same chart and someone can be like i'm very bearish here we're approaching resistance whereas you're taking trades right now thinking okay we're breaking out uh so it's funny to just see the two sides of the coin and the different mentalities but it sounds like you have both kind of dialed in and you know you know, if it doesn't break out, this is why, and you can change your strategy up a little bit, which is what I feel like people struggle with a bit. 
Yeah. So another thing I wanted to talk about, because, you know, when you talk about price action trading, you talk about levels a lot. And I'm not sure that my audience understands how to correctly find these levels. So do you think you could, you know, kind of expand on that a little bit? Are you just looking at, you know, monthly open and close, the high, the low? What are you, what are you looking at? I mean, I don't believe there's a right or wrong way of doing this. It's, if you can make whatever the way you do it work for you, then that's fine. You know, I, you know, people trade different to, to me. They have different levels, but they can make it work. It's about a lot of people think there's only one way of doing it correctly. Like I'll do ranges, and then there's people that learn off me that do it, but they'll trade completely different to me. So it's like school, isn't it? You're in school, you're the same teacher, but not everybody's going to pass because it's <laughs> how they interpret it. So you yeah. can't blame the teacher. It's, it's you as the person. So people out there using purely moving averages, each more class, but they're making money because they know how to use it. So the way I do it is um, I always look for the, like, for example, when the market pops up, the first high phone, I don't, I don't draw SR from the extremes of a range. Are you, what's the mean? What's the level that's been tapped the most? Because that's the magnet really. Other, everything else above or below that are deviations. Because if you draw it, you can see it on the chart. That's, why is it that level they're going to? Why is it, why is it not, not the extreme point? Whereas traditionally taught the extreme ports are the key SR levels and that's just gets, you know, ingrained in and that's, you feel like that's the right way to do it. And when you're telling other people, even though I don't, that that's not working for me, but because the textbook says that, I'm going to share that and everybody's going to agree with me. Again, it comes down to clout. Right. <laughs> it's all about clout. Yeah. And, and you know, I, like we were talking about earlier, you know, Bitcoin and crypto in general is super volatile. So those kind of deviations that you see, those huge wicks, they don't really mean as much in my opinion. Um, and I always see people just drawing, you know, any kind of pattern from the wicks at the very high. And I, I think that in some instances, it doesn't really mean much. Um, and it sounds like you're kind of on the same track there. I could be wrong in saying that, but I don't know. Well, I, I, I agree with you. I, I, I rather like extreme, extreme points. I'd rather get out where the bulk of the trading's happening. Exactly. Where's the level? So, yeah. Uh, especially go. with Bitcoin, I mean, you go to one exchange, you got one high. You go to the next exchange, you got like a hundred dollar <laughs> difference. Like, I'm gonna <laughs> yeah, it, it makes it all very hard because this market is not efficient yet. Uh, yeah. So we're looking at different prices on pretty much every chart, which is still funny to me. Um, one last thing I wanted to ask, uh, you know, you brought up a couple indicators. You talked about moving averages. Are there any indicators that you kind of go to? Oh, I don't use no indicators. I mean, when go, I just yeah. spoke you, about you that. You talk about, you know, pre pure price action, but I just wanted to see if there were anything that you ever threw up on the chart. I know. I mean, there's room for everything. I mean, if I had a setup for a long, and then if I threw an EMA that lined up, that's where the confluence. There that's we wrong go. With it. It's just, I've just come to a point where I just don't need it. Uh, that just comes with experience, really. But yeah, I mean, I don't have no problem with indicators, as long as you know how to use it properly. There we For me, indicators and all that are just secondary factors of confluence. So if I've got a setup of the 200 EMA lines up, like for example, say uh, there's certain nuances I notice, especially like I'll give you an example, Aussie dollar. On the Aussie dollar, when I've got a normal setup, right, on a 15-minute chart, the 200 EMA, when it lines up, the probability is really high. I don't know why it just works on that market really well. So that on that market, I don't mind throwing it on because it works as far as the confluence is my idea. Um, trend lines, for example, people use trend lines for entries. I sometimes throw in a trend line as a means of managing my stop. How do I manage my risk? So my strategy, the way I use, I would have a normally wide stop. But if I throw in that and lines up, I'm able to use that as a tool to have a tighter stop. Yeah. So I use it differently. Yeah. They're all kind of just extra tools that you can throw into your trading bag that can help, but I don't think it's ever right to just solely trade off of one specific indicator. I use it more for confluence, which is, I think, yeah. what they're there for. 
it's funny we, we we've talked about cloud a couple times in this episode and now that we're talking about indicators uh, i think i see a lot of people just throwing the most complex indicators on charts uh just to kind of show that they know how to use them um and it, it, if it works for you great if not like yeah, i don't really see a point to it um end of the day it just comes down to are you making money or not That's exactly it. You know what I mean? if you can yeah. make money from it, carry on you know, I, don't change it looks <laughs> to somebody else right so I, I see traders, you know, giving each other a hard time on Twitter because I'm on Twitter quite often. Uh, they're saying, "Oh, this is this, yeah, <laughs> this is People a terrible right." <laughs> yeah, it's where pretty much everything goes down. Uh, but they're talking about, "Oh, this is a terrible strategy." What What are you doing here? And I always laugh because it's like, you know, if it's making somebody money, I don't think there's any room to kind of talk you shit. Know, that's and... funny you say that. I find that people that say that are probably not. Trading properly themselves. Right. People that trade properly, they don't bother with all that shit. No. They, yeah, carry on, they can understand, yeah, that's how other people use it. But whenever you see people do that, that you're wrong there, get the fuck out of my face. Man. Right. I, like, I don't think I've ever seen you under somebody else's chart saying, this is wrong, you know? No, you can never say they're wrong. I don't even know if I'm right. <laughs> that's the beauty of trading, right? Right, I could be wrong. We're all, we're all kind of going along, trying to figure it out as we go and finding what works for each one of us specifically. So I, I really appreciate you kind of giving us a rundown of your trading strategy, a couple of the kind of not differences, but like the difference between crypto and uh, FX markets. Uh, we You've talked about kind of... I think, I, I think one key point but I think I forgot to mention is I, I um, that might help is um, I work backwards normally. So instead of going looking for the entry, I look at where I'm wrong. So once I've done the, you know, the context work, I look at okay, where am I wrong? So, you know, a lot of people, when they worry about, oh, I'm gonna, I want to see the pullback there if I get a lenter, but you might miss out, you might not come there. So, if I work backwards, it means I know where I'm completely wrong on the idea there. So, I could sometimes take a trade in the middle of nowhere, as long as I say middle of nowhere, it's going to be decent enough. But, you know, sometimes in a trending market, you don't get the pullback you want. But if you can identify whatever happens, I'm wrong at this level, then you can start scaling in. That sort of removes the FOMO. So I can start scaling in like a third or something. And if it does pull back to my level, happy days. If it doesn't, well, at least I've got some sort of exposure. There we go. I'm so glad you brought up the idea of FOMO because I think things are starting to heat up. People are starting to get a little crazy. Uh, and really, I think FOMO season is upon us where people are just going to yeah. be buying in. Uh, and, and you talk about the fact that you kind of scale in slowly and you're not worried about missing out on a move if, as long as you kind of start to scale in because you've at least got some exposure to it which is i think a perfect way to trade the crypto market specifically because things pop off like crazy they're up they're down things are moving fast and you really got to kind of remove emotion take a step back and not fomo into these trades um so you talked about you know the fact that you look at you're looking at ethereum uh, and you're starting to see some sort of breakout. I always like to ask, what are you most excited for in the coming 12 months? So <clears throat> with regards to the markets and then maybe yourself as well, if you've got anything big coming up. So in crypto, start crypto, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, gonna, I'm not expert in cryptos. I mean, when it comes to these alts, right? I mean, <clears throat> you can buy, you don't know which bag is going to go. You buy one, you buy about 10 bags, two of them will go. The eight of them will probably die. But <clears throat> the big thing I'm noticing across the board is the monthlies on a lot of them the higher time monthlies so usually I mean, for age been in range about range up down up down but the monthlies across a lot of them the big ones they start to break out once i start seeing that that sort of saying hang on a minute 
I mean, with crypto, you never know how far it could go. You've seen so many thousands, you know, you just don't know. So that's sort of excitement inside, but you got to keep your head on and plan, okay, this is the next key level. So I'm, I'm sort of seeing big moves, especially looking at um, Ethereum BTC and Ethereum USD on a macro scale, and even XRP. You know, they, they're breaking monthly levels, whereas I haven't seen that in ages. Once I start seeing key support, the monthly is starting to turn. When you know I can position for hang on a minute, I don't need to hold it for just a couple of percent. I could probably milk it, but then that comes into another ball game. Okay, if you're milking it, how would you manage that? So to make sure you know you get the most out of it and you don't give it all back. So that's a whole different ball game. But yeah, that's that's the big thing I'm thinking. I'm, I'm I haven't been like massively in altcoins in a long while. Yeah, right. But, uh, but now I'm starting to load up big because based on what the monthlies and quarterlies, the quarterly charts and the monthly charts, but you can't fight those. I mean, if they're starting to turn big and even a bounce on a monthly and quarterly, it's going to be significant. So that's that's, uh, that's big things I'm noticing in the crypto side of things. On the FX side of things, um, there's two men, like Yen. Yen's really uh, uh, attracting me. Um, I, see, I think you're going to get a huge break, a weakness in the Yen. Um, but yeah, still waiting. Yeah, I think huge like trend. Like if you look at any yen chart with that dollar yen, when it trends, it just goes. It's like you know, it make crypto look like a joke. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's another one on the FX side of things. That's uh, you're, you're speaking an alien language to a lot of my listeners who have only focused on <laughs> crypto ever. Um, so quick question, because you talked about you know kind of milking those trades, and we are starting to break out. Uh, yeah. And I think for some alts, we're even seeing you know. <laughs> complete price discovery uh so what what kind of stuff are you looking at really quickly just to kind of milk those trades for as many percentage points as possible this is this is why i I love ranges so much because the same technique i use for example if you if i were to show show you a one hour chart and we we you know mark a certain piece of price section then go to the one minute it looks like a trend doesn't it on the one minute so how is it that i've broken that down and broken that down so i'll do the same thing on uh, like a like a weekly or monthly chart, if I identify what are the key levels on that, once you break one key level, it's more likely, most likely going to go to the next key level. So the same thing you do, do on the lower time frame, we just do on the weekly or monthly. The only difference is it's going to take longer to get there. And until it breaks a key level, you can hold the position. And obviously, if you've got the, you know, the context around this, it should move higher. It's sort of like, okay, I know where I'm going to get out. That psychological thing of I know where to get out when I'm wrong. That sort of eases the burden, and you don't—you're not saying there. I don't know what it's going to do, where it's going to go. But if you plan it ahead, just do the same thing I do on the lower time frame. I do that on a weekly chart. So when you see some of my Bitcoin charts, you got my macro ranges, like the mid range and the range low. I don't know if it breaks the mid range, it's going to target the next range level. That's why for Bitcoin right now, if we stay above the level I've got, technically I'm going to be working towards the 11.2k level. Obviously, we have got levels in between that, but that's the next level. If it breaks below the mid range for the year, then okay, I got to exit. That means okay, the shift trend can come but as long as above that that's bullish so that sort of concept i can use on any market if that makes sense yeah so as no, long as com- you're prepared, where are your macro key levels those are gonna be your magnets for price if it's above one then there's the next one and then obviously use the midpoint between those because those that's the mean usually and then you just work from level to level level to level until your invalidations hit and that's yeah. how, how i do it anyway yeah seems seems reasonable enough i would say uh one last thing because I think we are starting to break out of a lot of these key levels, especially on the higher time frames. Uh, what are your thoughts on like trading breakouts? Are you a big just as soon as we break out, you you should get in because it's crypto and things just blow through levels like nothing? Or are you looking for retest, breakout retest, that kind of thing? 
So I have two ways, uh, a couple of ways of doing it. One way is say I'm very bullish and that resistance level has been touched many times. Probability wise, the next time is going to blow out, especially if the context is correct. So usually if it's the first return to that resistance level, it sure sort of fakes it out. So in that sense, I don't know. So for example, if it's got like five tests, example, I can sometimes use a buy stop there because it lines up with the context and probability wise, it should break up. Whereas if it's not, what do I do then? So what I do is confirmation. So what do I need to see for a level to hold? So I usually wait for a clean break and then I look for like, okay, is it going to hold? And I look for like, you know, a breaking mark structure pattern. A lot of people say higher highs and higher lows, whatever your breaking structure pattern is. As long as it holds above that level, then and once I see signs of it stabilizing, then I'll go in. Bitcoin, for example, today, I took a long based on a breakout. Now, I could be wrong, but I know if it comes back within the range, and that means that that, fake, that was a fake out deviation. I cut it, you know, nothing 100%. But that's how I do it. So we've broken out a key level today, for me anyway, on Bitcoin. So as long as it stays above that, that is a genuine breakout until proven otherwise. And what what supports that idea is the higher time frame context. We've got Ethereum USD breaking out as well to the upside. So everything has lined up um, for that for that breakout to hold rather than be a fake out, if that makes sense. Very much so. I really appreciate that. Um, sorry, I keep adding extra questions to this. It's okay, just as, go for it, man. Yeah, you're you're you know you're a wonderful trader, and I feel like I want to probe you as much as possible for my audience. Um, going you back should. to you talked about the yen. I want to bring up something because my buddy has been going off about this for I think like three months now. Because um, I don't really you know do any sort of currency trading, um, so it's not on my radar at all. But he's been talking about the Vietnamese dong for like. Okay. I'd say three months. Is that on your radar at all? Have you even taken a look at look at it? Like, what? even though it existed, <laughs> there we go. Okay, perfect. <laughs> he's he's been talking about it for so long, and you're you're the first person that I've talked to no, since. I personally he's... need to stick to the majors, really. Major there we courses. go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. All right, perfect. Just had to ask for him uh, because he has been nonstop talking about it. Uh, okay. So I, I appreciate that. Um, we, we've talked about a lot today. I usually try to wrap up with, I'd say the biggest tip. Uh, so for all the PA traders, what's your biggest tip for them? For someone who's just getting started. For me, basically it's not even to do so much trading is your own mindset. Really, you know, as long as you can stay disciplined, and not, not, not be sheep that follows the crowd. You've got to think about it long-term. Okay. You're not here for just one trade you're here as, if you can do the process correctly, especially if you're developing, keep that discipline. When you make it, you'll, you, that one trade will pay off all those years you've been, been doing it properly. But if you're trying to rush it, you're not. So if you can stay that, trading isn't really that hard. It's, you can learn, at my, you can learn in about a couple of days, but it's sticking to those rules. Can you stick to those rules? Because why is it people rush? They want to make the money quick. They want to get there quick. That's, that never works. And years down the line, they learn. And you can tell someone now, they still won't listen. If you can do the process properly, stick to that discipline. It may take you a bit of time, but once you've got it, you've got it for life. And then you can start upping your size because then you've got the confidence of you know, a track record behind you that I now know what I'm doing. Then it's just a game of managing money. It's just a game of money management and discipline after that. You know, it doesn't matter where you start after that. Markets are always going to be there. But you do it properly then, you know, your account will just explode, you know, massively. But you've done it properly, though. And then it's just rinse and repeat because there's always the next trade. If you miss it, so what? But if you you, when you start feeling that formal when you're rushing in, you when you're in a rush, you've got no discipline. That's, what, that's the biggest problem I've found with newer traders. 
That's uh, one of the reasons I hate the crypto market so much is that so many people, especially newer people, they got in, they made a couple killer trades to start, and now they think they're expert traders. And later on down the line, it really just crushes them, kills them. Their capital ends up just dwindling away. It's dangerous to crypto as well because you think about those large following accounts. I know personally, certain large following accounts, they ain't got a fucking clue, but people look up to them because they got a big following. And it's dangerous for newcomers because they look up to them as well. And it's just blind eating the blind. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It it was more of a who could market themselves best in 2017. And uh, now they've got a cult-like following. I, I, I think I need to open a Discord up and say, send me your funds and just do an exit scam. Oh, my God. The amount of money these guys have made. Like, how can people fall for them? I like, really I understand it. Everyone just wants a quick dollar, and they got a quick dollar, you know, when crypto kind of exploded, and they're looking for that next high. And so I think they're a little bit more gullible and willing to kind of part with their funds uh, expecting this huge return, and that's how people kind of end up getting scammed and losing all their money. Um, yeah. So I really appreciate but, that. But another funny thing is, right? Even when if the old, if it is a bull season, I guarantee you, people are still gonna be holding their bags for a ninety-nine percent decline as well. Oh, for sure. Because the human psychology never changes. Nope. They'll never be able to take profit then. So you, although it'll scam, that's why I think we'll still get ultra run because people will still not bank. When it comes to that point, people, even though you say it all now, whatever you say to people, they still won't cash in. Because that greed pops in, that irrationality. Ah, That's why working on your mindset is probably the most important thing in trading. Whatever you do, clear mindset, you'll think clearer. Irrational uh, mindset, every, you can be the best at drawing charts. You ain't gonna make no money. Yeah, I've I've had some fantastic traders on. You being one of them, and I think it all boils down to mindset. Like they they talk about strategy, and everyone's got a different strategy, and some are more successful than others. Uh, but it's really implementing the strategy and the mindset that you have, you know, going into these trades that's really going to either make or break it's you not, as a trader. It's not the strategy. It's, it's you as a person. Yes, exactly. you the but it's you as a person. That's what makes it work. So spot on. Um, you know, you talked about, I think people are going to hold a 99% retrace and I can totally see that happening. I, I see yeah. two scenarios for a lot of people. I see them selling at break even because they're just so sick of this market. They, they hit break even, they sell, they get the fuck out of here. Or they're going to hold for another 100x and then a 99% decline. Uh, and another cycle. Because the influencer told them to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but it's going to get, it's going to do another 10x from here. It's going to do another yeah. 100x. Uh, this market, man, it, it truly is crazy. Part of the reason I love it, part of the reason I hate it. But use that to your advantage. If you're the type that can think for themselves, use that to your advantage. So there's always a different way of looking at it. You know, there's doom and gloom. Oh, this is what's gonna happen to people. But then, say, hang on a minute, I I can use that to my advantage. So yeah, I'm I'm still working on my strategy and my mindset myself. I'm I'm a big take profit early kind of guy, and um, I've sold bags and watched them just go. One way to overcome that is um, having a strategy. Okay, if I did exit, how do I get back in? A simple concept of instead of oh I've exited, I can't get back in. No, you can always get back in if you want to. So when you've got that mentality of okay, if it doesn't work. I'll get out early. What do I need to see to get back in? And if I see that, get back in. So that removes the FOMO. That's right. more relaxed trading. And when your mind's relaxed, you make more correct decisions. Yeah. I, I, I definitely got to work on finding new entries, especially when I exit early. Uh, but I also, I think I have a pretty good um, head on my shoulders to where if I get out of a trade, I'm not rushing to get back in. I don't, I don't, yeah. I, I, 
don't think I've FOMO'd into anything in a very long time. So I'm, I'm working on it. I think it's, it's always a process. I think all of us can always, there's always room for improvement. Always, always. Yeah. All right, man. I, I really appreciate it. We've talked about a lot today. Uh, you've given my audience some wonderful tips, kind of an intro on price action, uh, mindset, how to really be successful with this potential pending bull run. Uh, is there anything else that you want them to know before we go? Uh, no, just just especially for those that are especially developing, just take it easy, take it slow, but do it properly. That's all I can say. Because once you've done it properly, that skill sets for life. Then and you know, trading you can make if you want to make a career out of it. That's, you gotta do it like that. Not hope on one lucky bull run. Right. It's... It would happen. And you're sitting there years down the line waiting for that bull run. Whereas those that are milking it, like the scalpers, like. A quick example is like trends. Like, yes, I milk a trend, but that trend may not happen. Scalpers make a lot of money. They make more money in a consolidation than you make in a, in a trend. So I sort of overcome that. I don't fight it. I know I can scalp, but I don't like scalping. So I go look for trends, but I'm quick in getting out early. And then if it's going to continue, get back in. But that's because the process is done correctly. That makes sense. Yeah. That completely makes sense. It sounds like you've really honed in on your strategy and your mindset. It better be after eight years. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think you're you're really just preaching to the choir here with the building a solid foundation, getting your mindset right. You know, yeah. not rushing into independent anything. Independent thinker. Be an independent thinker. Right. Get off Twitter for a minute. You know, learn learn to think for yourself for a little for a little while before getting back on Twitter. Um, uh, that's it. So Keep- I. I really appreciate it, man. I, I thank you so much for taking the time. I think well, thank people you for are having gonna... me on, man. Thank you. Yeah, man, it was awesome. I think people are going to love this episode. So again, thank you very much. You're welcome. All right. Per- All right, that wraps up another episode. Thanks for tuning in, guys. I just want to take a quick second to remind you to leave us a review and subscribe to the show. We would greatly appreciate it if you did. And we look forward to seeing you next episode.